Josh. Hello. <laughs> so, uh, what's up? What's going on? Who um, are you? Well, I'm Laura, as you know. I know. You, I know who as you, are. you know. But this next to me is Claire. Hello. Um, Some deep stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we spent the day um, pruning the tomato plants in the garden. Uh, which mm-hmm. is fun for Claire because Claire hates tomatoes. So she kind of goes at it with this vengeance and gets all the corner bits out. Because if you know anything about gardening and tomatoes, you mm-hmm. know that the corner is the bit you don't want mm-hmm. in a tomato. So tomatoes have corners? They're kind of round, in my opinion. No, the, the plant. The plant has a corner. And then in the corner, a new bit of plant wants to happen and you have to get those away. She before. means like in the corner between the sh- offshoots. Oh, I was thinking of the corner of the round tomato, which <laughs> by its nature is not got any of not those things. Not that cornery, no. Um, okay. Well, okay, but let's, let's, let's just start. Let's just begin. Well, should we find out a bit about Claire first? Let's, yeah, Claire, who are you? Tell no, us about yourself. Claire does not want to tell us about herself. She would like... Tell us who you're not. That's our new thing that we're doing, where people tell us what, who they're not. That's true. Claire, tell us who you're not. I'm not Claire Balding. Okay, damn it. I thought we'd had Claire Balding <laughs> on the podcast. That would be pretty cool. Star power. What kind of girl are you not? I'm not a uh, Hello Kitty, all the pink. I only hang out with boys. Girls don't understand me, girl. It's comprehensive. Okay. It's so hard when only boys like me. It's true. Um, There's a I, common denominator I, in that, and it's not girls. So we've got a, a girl-hating girl here for you today. Okay. You know, you know what I said. Claire doesn't really listen to podcasts. At all. Okay. Um, but she did say that if she were to listen to one podcast, it would be this podcast. Oh. That's high praise from but someone who doesn't listen to podcasts. Purely because it's us rather than the content. Because the conversation level is so low brow. But interesting. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how we'll fare now without Olivia here because she was the intelligent one. Would you describe yourself as intelligent? Yes. Claire. Okay, cool. That's really good. <laughs> Great. Self-described well. intelligent person. Claire has joined us on one of many pilots today. Wait, that's the name of your podcast? I thought you were just saying it loads. We haven't got a name really, so we just kind of use that. That is our name now. It is After a good the pilots name. Are done. It is a good name. Because we're Everybody's... on the ultimate quest, really, to find what makes a good podcast, and we haven't really got there yet. I mean, you only yeah. need three podcasts in. <laughs> well, I think it's like a it's a it's a process, right? We're going to use the process of making a podcast to describe to find out what makes a good podcast. Yes, I feel like we're doing really well so far. <laughs> it's foolproof. You know, we found out things about ourselves that we didn't know were things that we needed to worry about. Um, we've crossed continents. Well, one continent. Still the same continent. Yeah. Okay. Fine. We're, we're at least a <laughs> at least until apart. Brexit happens, and then <laughs> things will be a little bit different around here because the UK is going to blast off into space and become its own satellite. And what 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 um, accent was that, Josh? That was my Brexit aficionado accent. Oh, I see. I see. <laughs> I think uh, you'll find actually Brexit is uh, going to be transformational for this country and for the people who live here in Sweden. In Sweden, yes. Yeah, specifically Sweden. <laughs> Brexit is more about Sweden than the UK. That's something very few people know about. Um, so we're going to try something new for the first time today, um, mm-hmm. and that is having a theme for our podcast. Yeah, what's the theme? Well, you chose the theme. I did choose the theme. I'm going to tell you what it is. The theme <laughs> this time is gardening. Gardening. And Josh, why did you choose this theme? Because I picked two random themes. The first was automotive, 
And then the second was gardening. And then I realized I was just naming Amazon product categories. <laughs> but, um, but gardening seemed like a good, a good one to do. So who's yeah. going to go first? All right, well, let's, but let's quickly outline the premise of what we're going to do here. So we're going to outline, uh, we each have one uh, hypothetical or perhaps real situation that we'll talk about uh, and describe. And then the other two of us will work together to try and resolve that situation in a good way. And we'll see what happens along the, along the way. Great. Um, well, I think you should go first, Josh. Fair enough. So when I was on holiday a few weeks ago, I heard about a international society of labyrinth people. Uh, <laughs> okay. Is it in the film or gardens? People that are into David Bowie. Not the film. Okay, yeah, I just got, I just got there. <laughs> uh, not the film, like the actual garden-related, because it's on the theme, uh, the actual thing, you know, where you have a big set of hedges and you have to work your way through them and find yourself to some central point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so these people, they travel all over the world going to different locations and trying out different labyrinths and mazes. Um, That's an amazing that, hobby to have. Uh, you just ruined, I had a pun coming up <laughs> and you just cut me off. I'm going to I'm going to edit that one right out. We'll <laughs> 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 see. Couldn't help so, it. If, can you imagine that you decided to create a new maze to amaze these labyrinth fans? Uh, and what would you do to entice them to your maze or labyrinth? Hmm. So you know that you can get maze mazes as well. That yes, are and those are really amazing, amazing mazes. Fields of maze. Um, oh, and they're functional. Before, but before we start, I just wanted to, because um, I, I wrote a few notes on this, and as I was writing the notes, I realised that actually spelling the word labyrinth is actually pretty hard. Uh, so I would like for you, without looking, oh, to no. spell the word labyrinth for me. Well, that's quite easy. No, no it's L-A-B-Y-R-I-N-T-H. Claire? I mean, I just just did it, so you can... You think you did it? Oh, yeah, maybe I didn't. Oh, no, this is going to be embarrassing. Come on. Labra. That's what I did. I went for the labyrinth, right? Because I thought it was the R was before the Y. But the Y is before the R. It's labyrinth. error. I don't do spelling. If I could possibly well, help it. Do I get the point? You get a point there, Laura. Well done. Where can I use it? Nowhere. On the podcast, you can spend it later on, probably. Okay. On the Abazin gardening section. Um, so, <laughs> what, so at the middle of the labyrinth, what would we want to entice people in? Gold. Oh, it's a bit old school, though, isn't it? Well, the labyrinths <laughs> are pretty old school, let's be fair. Let's give them their due. They've stood the test of time from way back when. I think maybe one of those, like, grab machines... You know, in arcades. Absolutely when... not. Oh. Wouldn't you stay away from them? They're impossible. I wouldn't no, go through all the trouble. No, but a human grab machine. So you get to the middle of the labyrinth, something <laughs> picks you up and then has a claw around you and you have to try and grab a prize. So it's a human-sized claw machine? Yes. So when you get to the centre, there's loads of crap and you have to pick something before the claw gets you? No, the claw takes you to the crap. So where's the labyrinth? Around you. So you don't go through the labyrinth? You go through the labyrinth. The labyrinth is happening. Da, 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 mm-hmm. Going down the aisles. Oh, no, a dead end. Oh, I better go backwards. Keep going through the labyrinth. Then you get to mm-hmm. the middle and you're like, whoa, I found the middle. All of the fireworks happen. Um, they spell out your name in fireworks. <laughs> Claire, you made it the into the middle. And then a big claw picks you up. 
<laughs> so you weren't even expecting the claw. You haven't gone through the labyrinth for the claw. You're just like, no, the claw's a surprise. And then you're like, oh my gosh, the claw has got me. But then you realise that it's directing you towards the prizes. And there's a, like a ball pit of prizes. And they're all great things that you want. Like uh-huh. cartons of really nice orange juice and Scrabble and things. Okay. And then you can just grab one of those things and then you get out the labyrinth somehow. But you, you grab it with your human arms. Yeah, you grab it with your human arms. And then maybe it drops you into a slide that takes you out of the labyrinth. But I think you've... Have you ever played a claw game? Because I feel like you don't know how it really yeah, works. Yeah, they're really... You see <laughs> the claw doesn't pick you up. It picks have the other thing Have you ever seen? This is a whole, a whole trend now that people... They have, like, people in those games. That doesn't sound very it's like a, health and safety. in fun Asian places. It's a real thing. I've never heard of this, no. but I'm very oh, intrigued. Okay, well, okay. I'll Wouldn't send you, a link. you instead have the labyrinth and then have the ball pit in the middle and then you have to dive in and grab a prize before the claw gets you? So there's still an element of Death. peril. Yeah, and then at the bottom of the ball pit, there's a slide, so you have to find the slide. Before get the claw gets you. Before the claw gets you and kills you? <laughs> Is it... Oh, it's gone a bit. Okay. It's got a bit sinister. But the labyrinth itself, I think it would be nice if it was made out of something bushy, maybe like bay trees. Mm. They're trees, mm. not bushes. Yeah, but they're bushy trees. <laughs> so you can just see through the. Because the, the problem with la- uh, labyrinths is sometimes they get overgrown. There's one near us in the forest, and it's really fun in the summer. But then all the swallows nest in it, and it gets overgrown, and then you can't actually get through it. I'd make it out of something that you can harvest so that you can make a new labyrinth every year. Otherwise, you'll just know the way through the labyrinth. Good idea. That's a very... Keep it fresh. I like that. How about sunflowers? You're not not quite understanding the idea of a labyrinth needing to be thick so you can't go through it. So here's my question. Let's say you choose sunflowers. It feels pretty easy to to cut your way through those. And additionally, some, some mazes I've seen, they're just lines on the ground. It's so easy to cheat. You just walk across the lines. How will you enforce people? How do you prevent people from cheating? What about if they're labyrinth? on rolling tracks so they move? You add peril so that they have to do it quickly so they can't think about cheating. Like Indiana what kind Jones of peril are we style. About? I'd put like wolves in there or something vicious. Wolves. Oh shit. <laughs> okay, this has turned into a minotaur kind of maze. I would give them all breadcrumbs that they can drop to find mm-hmm. their way back, but then I would also put in things that eat breadcrumbs. <laughs> So they're lured into a false sense of security that they can always yeah. find their way home. But when they turn around, oh no, the crumbs are gone and there are five hedgehogs following you. Okay, the only people who would fall for that are the ones who haven't read Hansel and Gretel. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I think what would be good is to have points because labyrinths are all very square. With, mm-hmm. You know, and maybe if you made the sort of like spiky corners or bits cut out of the hedge where you have to like leap through the holes how does that help okay. or multi-level there's never been a multi-level one or before or you make it so they have to find things so they go through the labyrinths you can't just cut straight through you've got to tick off all these like boxes like a scavenger hunt like a work, uh... life-sized where's Wally <gasps> but without Wally because red stands out oh yes yes <laughs> so I mean what's yeah. our target target audience are we going for kids or adults I think adults the are more target fun. audience was originally, as stated in the in the in the uh, situation, was the International <laughs> Labyrinth Society. Oh yes, and true. I wasn't sure how like what what taste they have for peril, but it was, I, I'm assuming by your market research, we discovered they love peril. A, a light touch of death, yeah. I think, always helps people. To they really... must be disillusioned with all the labyrinths they've seen. Like they've seen them all, so mm. add some peril. <gasps> I've got an idea. Okay, Ooh. so halfway through the labyrinth, 
a big piece of dark fabric covers the top of the labyrinth and all these UV lights come on and they've got to do it in the dark. <laughs> okay, so now okay, so it's an we extra level of challenge. Do it at night. No, no, not at night because it's got to, it's got to like the, the game has to change halfway through. And then also there's like a little feeding holes in it and they start dropping balls on them. So the longer they take, the more balls are like... What kind of bump, balls? Just like... Footballs, cannonballs... There's like <laughs> ball pit balls, but the okay. longer they take, the more balls are in the way for everything. So they're wading through these balls, and if they take too long, then they just get covered in balls. Wouldn't you have to like not drop them in, but like funnel them in to yeah. do that? You need a lot of balls. Yeah, you could get a lot of balls. So that'd be quite good because it's dark, there's UV everywhere, and then all these balls start falling on your head, and you have to wade through them all. Can you just make it, it sounds dark terrifying. anyway? I just do it at night. Well. Fine, it's all at night time. But right. then... <laughs> then, okay. <laughs> With the hedgehogs and the balls. I think there should also be a bar halfway through, so they could stay at the bar and have a nice time. I think you, every dead end you run into, you have to do a shot. Oh, yes, that'll be good. <laughs> There's just a barman there forcing you to drink. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, every dead end you do a shot, so the, the more dead ends you get, the worse you get at it. These are, I must say, these are all fantastic ideas, and I and I really really enjoy how much how much it seems that you want to punish these people more than <laughs> it reward them for having a nice time. But yeah, this is good. These are all great ideas. Thank you. You, you gave us power, yeah. and we will abuse it. Yeah. Ca- what I've learned from this this uh, hypothetical, fortunately hypothetical situation <laughs> is that, given the opportunity and the resources, you will create a terrifying maze. Yeah. And yeah. now I understand how the Minotaur's maze was created. Show us what you've got. Mine is short and sweet. Nice. All gnomes come alive. All of them. So like, there's Even... caravan sites in Wales that are overrun with garden gnomes. Okay. And then there's people like us who don't have any, who are missing out on this phenomenon. We don't know whether they'd be good. We don't know whether they'd be bad. They might be for us. They might, they might just want to fucking do the jobs that they had. <laughs> Some of them have got trowels, you know. <laughs> that might be their purpose in life, and we're denying them that opportunity by not having any gnomes. Well, my my thoughts immediately go to all the gardeners and all the people in the gardening industry. So suddenly they're out of a job. There's this huge workforce that suddenly appeared, who, albeit they're small and they're not very effective, but they can still water and cut grass. <laughs> we don't know and if they're do any the good though. They, they could be terrible. Mm. Well, we'll Some of them out, are just like chilling. I've some of them like naked. I've seen some zombie ones. Oh. See, this is why it's such a phenomenon and a problem. Um, I've been to a town in Poland that is gnome themed and there are gnome statues everywhere. I feel like that could be a real problem for the people of this Polish town. Do they need food to survive? Yeah. Are they just animate or are they, are they actually alive now? They're actually alive. They're not even like ceramic, so it's not like we could destroy the problem if that was the way we wanted to go about it. They're like living, breathing gnomes. What about broken garden gnomes? They've got disabilities. Do we have to modify the world to fit to their Well, this is sizes? part of the, the question. question. Like, yeah, true. Okay, here's a really important part of the question. Can we communicate with them using the languages that we already have? Do they understand, for example any European language. I would say they would understand the local language because they've been trapped inside the ceramic shells. 
So they've been listening. They know all, been, all our weaknesses. Been listening. <laughs> all right, so they've, they've, been, they've been like conscious this whole time. Mm-hmm. They just haven't been animate. Okay. So we can, we can reason with them. They could be good guys. Who mm-hmm. knows? They can't cook, though, because all the ovens are too high for them. <laughs> I think a lot, a lot of things are too high for them. That's they're like 30 centimetres tall. Mm-hmm. Also, they're quite like, predominantly male. Mm-hmm. So the ratio of male to female gnomes is quite mm. high, I'd say. Um, Which might present its own problems. You might get fetishists that come out of the woodwork. Or the ceramic work. <laughs> Are we talking? Are we talking about fetishists in the gnome community? Or are we talking about people who are interested in interbreeding between humans and gnomes? Oh, I was thinking of the interbreeders. Okay. Because you'd end up with really odd babies. I, I, I'm not sure it's logistically entirely possible. I think anything's uh, possible if you try hard is. enough. And if they're different species, then the kids wouldn't be able to reproduce. Well, that's a quite, okay, here's, here's the important question. Biologically, <laughs> I don't believe we've, we've already got down this hole. This is really escalated quickly, isn't it? Right. Because <laughs> you know how a donkey and a horse, they can, they can have children like and there's an ass. Oh, mule or ass. Not a, a mule, sorry, not an ass. Yes, a mule. So could it, is, is it biologically possible for humans and gnomes to reproduce? Like a, a gnomon. <laughs> Well, I think it would be like horses and donkeys where you could have a spawn, but it wouldn't be human and it wouldn't be a gnome and it wouldn't be able to reproduce itself. Right. Okay. So we have a mule gnome situation going on here. Yeah. A gnome. But but they're not naturally malicious. Like, what's the first thing they do when they they, they, they come along? They (laughs) unionise. I could imagine that. I've just realised something when we're having this discussion is that I've never actually really seen gnomes. I, I assume they exist because I've seen them in films and te- television programmes, but I've never actually seen gnomes in real life. I think they're more... Americans seem to have more than we do. Oh, no, get yourself down to a caravan park. You'll see a lot of gnomes. I don't really understand why you'd want gnomes. Any garden ornament is the same. Do we get any warning about them coming nope. to life? No warning. Do they expect something from us? Well, to survive. I don't think they. I think anything has to expect something to us, but we're not great at cohabitating this earth with anything, including ourselves, so. Do they have a representative? Or they've unionised, so yes. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I mean, I think it's just an extra pile of people, isn't it, really? They just sort of have to get along like everybody else. Yeah. Muddle along. Smaller, but we're doing a whole lot of that at the moment. That's a lot of muddling along. <laughs> I feel like in, in 2020, with all the things that are happening in the world, all the confusion, all the challenges in the world, I don't think that like gnomes coming alive would just it would really be a drop in the ocean compared to all the other challenges that we're facing as a worldwide society right now. <laughs> None of us would be phased at this point, but like, all right, then yeah, just put a mask Fair on. Enough. Yeah, yeah, as long as you wear a mask, we don't really mind little gnomies and they can yeah. just get along. Oh. Are they susceptible to coronavirus? Can they transmit coronavirus? I'm going to say no, because they're not human. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. I think that's it, really. I think they'd be fine. They'd have a really nice time. They'd probably be slightly ineffective. Um, mm. We'd humour them, but we'd feel a bit sorry for them. I think they'd be angry. They'd be angry? Why would they be angry? I mean, they've been forced to sit on these crap caravan sites forever while it's old people... You've got a real vendetta about these caravan sites. Yeah, I sites. do. So <laughs> tell us the story of the caravan site. I, I spent all my childhood holidays on a caravan site in Paris. In Paris? Paris. In Wales. Oh, quite different. Oh, that sounds like a funny way of saying Paris. 
Where are you going? I'm going to Powis today. <laughs> Powis. But what is happening in Powis? I don't know. Ask the French people. <laughs> oh, dear. All right. That was, yeah, that's a very interesting, uh, very interesting scenario. Thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah. Um, I don't think we really kind of came to a conclusion there, but at least we explored the possibilities of... And how you might react. And how we might react and or breed with them. <laughs> that, was, that was really the biggest question I think we, we, we solved. <laughs> My scenario is uh, an actual real-life scenario uh, where I am having a problem with my gardening. So I thought I'd put mm-hmm. it to you, the uh, knowledgeable gardenese. That's us. So I'm currently living in quite a big house with a very spacious garden, uh, and mm. it's not very boarded off. So things that are alive that aren't humans can wander <laughs> in and out as they please. Gnomes! N- <laughs> gnomes. Um, and... I've been growing vegetables because what else is there to do right now? So I've turned my lack of skill into a skill somehow and have grown quite a quite a patch of vegetables. However, these things have become very appealing to a, a variety of creatures. First, mm. it was the slugs. Killed all of those guys. They're dead. <laughs> then it was the butterflies who like to lay their eggs on everything. And I sort of just gave up with them. So they've made tiny holes in everything I own. Um, mm. But then the muntjacks came. Uh, for oh. those of you that don't know what a muntjack is, it's a sort of small deer that barks like a dog. It's sure it's not a dog. No, no. Look it up. Muntjack. How would you spell muntjack, Josh? I reckon it's M-U-N-T-J-A-C-K. Take away the K. But no K. No K. Just a C. Just a C. That's weird. Hmm. All right. That's a man whose mind has been blown. Well, I didn't, I didn't spell it with a K at the end. I just said, okay, at the end uh-huh. it. How big is a muntjac? A muntjac is mm, like a Shetland pony size. Oh, okay. That's pretty big. Yeah, they're quite, I mean, they're sizable. <laughs> sizable guys. Um, uh-huh. And they, for some weird reason, had no interest whatsoever in any of the vegetables until the day where they had interest in all the vegetables and ate about a third of the crop. So they had oh. the tops off of all the carrots. They ate a whole bunch of the beans. They nibbled lots of the tomato plants, but then gave up on them. Understandable. Uh, um, And they just sort of made a mess, tried to eat the potatoes, didn't get very far with them. My question to you is, how would you stop these creatures from eating all of your vegetables? Okay, good question. I would invest in an air rifle. One warning shot. (laughs) But they only come at stupid o'clock, like 5am when you're not expecting it. What about an intruder light? Um, I don't know if an intruder light would do it because I run into the garden <laughs> clapping and telling them where to go clapping. and they just stare at me like I'm an absolute idiot. Do you do this at stupid o'clock in the morning? Well, sometimes they try their luck at other times of day, but mostly it's about 5am when, when we're all asleep. Okay, but you, so your current technique, let's just, let's just get someone out of the way, right, because in case we don't say this one by accident, your current technique is <laughs> that when you see the deer in the garden or hear them barking like dogs, you run out into the garden and clap at them. Well, we've also moved all of the plants into a corner and built a fortress out of old deck chairs to keep them away. Okay, how's that working? I mean, I'd say it's got a sort of 85% success rate, um, but I did accidentally leave a lettuce on the step and they took the top off. (laughs) 
So sometimes it doesn't work so well. When you don't put it within the perimeter. Yeah, there's got to be within the perimeter fence, which has made it very difficult for us to do any actual gardening because everything is on top of it, it, other things. Is there any chance that you could just give them a bit of the food, like just put a bit on the side so they feel like, oh, I've had enough, I'll, I'll walk away now? I don't think that's how deer work. Give an inch, they take a mile. There's okay. a whole garden full of things for them to eat. But I suspect the only reason it's taken them this long is because they're a bit nervous about these coming, coming this close to the house. So you need like a house deterrent and you want them to stay away from the house and eat everything else. I think you should be flattered. One, you've made some delicious vegetables that these, <laughs> these munchak absolutely just can't keep getting off of. They're very discerning. And, and two, you've also made the house so inviting that they feel confident and comfortable enough to come up and eat. I think you should open a restaurant for these deer. Start charging. <laughs> Open a petting zoo. I think that's a terrible idea. You're very <coughs> pro-life here with the animals. I want them all to die, but you are very into them getting involved. That's true. But could you consider taming them somehow? How would you suggest? Well, they, yes, you right. say they, when they come in, could you like just entice them over and like start talking to them and then maybe you could ride on its back? <laughs> like a Shetland, Shetland pony. pony. Why would you ride a Shetland pony? You can ride Shetland ponies. Well, you can't. Have you, have you seen a Shetland pony? Um, in a book. If you were about four, you could ride a Shetland yeah. pony. Okay, what if you lash them together and make him ride a cart? Make a raft. A cart. A cart. Why do you put them on high things? Raise them up. Make it too high for them. If you put the deer on a platform. No, not the deer. <laughs> the vegetables. <laughs> Um, yeah, then I can't reach them. I'm quite short. I think I need something more radical. Get, you, can, you can get a step. You've got opposable thumbs. I want things that are less likely to be like purchasable from the local garden centre. I need some innovative ideas here. I want, okay, okay. I want like some blue sky thinking outside right. of the box. Here's what's well. Here's here's what's been itching my brain for the past however long we've been talking about this. You said they bark like a dog. Yes. Um, can we get some kind of babe situation where the dog communicates with the deers oh, and tells them, hey, listen, guys, it's not cool that you're coming here. You know, I get the food's good, but please, can you just not do this? Um, if you could find me a dog, I could try it. How would I communicate with the dog to tell the dog to tell the deer not to come? It's man's best friend. Train it. Love and affection. Positive reinforcement. But I feel like by the time I got a dog, train the dog, the season's <laughs> over, everything's dead. <laughs> but next year, next year. You're laughing. Next year I won't live here. <laughs> I see you looking out the window now to see if the deer are out there. <laughs> you know how you have this empty swimming pool? Oh. Yes. Are there steps to get into it or is it a ladder? So we thought about putting all the plants in the swimming pool. Um, the house I'm house sitting has a swimming pool that is empty currently. Um, mm. And we thought, let's put all the plants in the swimming pool. But then we thought, what if a muntjac accidentally fell into the swimming pool and then flailed mm. around and knocked all the plants over? You'd have an easy shot. I mean, we'd end up with a muntjac for dinner, but we wouldn't have any vegetables left. And also, I think the pool is too warm for the plants because it's tiles. And obviously it tries to attract the sun to keep the water hot. But if they only come at stupid o'clock at night, you only have to put them in at night. I'm not moving all my plants every day. <laughs> well, are you? <laughs> every day. But yeah, in that case, just bring them inside at night time. I mean, this is not really a solution. Or get a, um, a decoy plant and put it in the swimming pool first to see. Like, I could put uh... a collection of really disgusting tasting plants around, sort of 
put them off. I could put bad reviews on the internet. <laughs> on Amazon. <laughs> this restaurant for deer is awful. I don't want to eat here. And then they just bark to each other. They could... Oh, I'm not going there. It's only got 3.2 stars. And I'm, I'm better than that, apparently. <laughs> uh, I, I, think that, I think that you need to somehow... So you know when you have you don't you have like a dock or a, or a, a a key that you don't want birds to go on, so they put a big bird on a stick that, that kind of swings around in the wind, and other birds get scared of that and they don't come near it. Get a cuddly toy dog. That's nice just to cuddle at night time. But what I was thinking is that you would put you would put or just get some kind of decoy fake animal that that you need to find the actual enemy of a muntjac deer. What is its natural enemy? The human probably. Get some life-size cutouts of Arnold Schwarzenegger and stick them out. Wouldn't you just need something, like the smell of something, to keep them Well, we tried, apparently, diesel-soaked rags will do it. That did not do it. Also, the smell of human urine, which was pretty dry. Um, But apparently that's a deterrent You're getting desperate, though, so soon. Um, Yeah, so we didn't try that. And we kind of just gave up, really, and just built our... Get a dog to come round. Once, because we've done that. Well, too. no, do, do it a few times, but like get them to like make it their territory. Mm, maybe, I'm not sure if it'll work. Wait, you have to try it, wouldn't you? We've given you several solutions. We've given you a lot of solutions <laughs> here. Four solutions here, I think. The only solution you have left is to just invite the deer around and get to know them. <laughs> maybe I could do that thing. You know, when a child is really naughty and eats all mm. the sweets, and then you make them eat so many sweets that they throw up and they never eat sweets again. <laughs> like trench ball. Yeah. I can give them so many carrots that they can't walk anymore and they get sad tummy. Yeah, just go Tesco, order a few more carrots, whack them around on the ground. Yeah, Yeah. so that's probably it. I could make a a pathway of carrots. (laughs) Like reverse Hansel and Gretel. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. anti-Hansel and Gretel. And then the munchaks will eat them all and then they'll be so full that they'll say no way to the organic nice carrots at the end of the garden. Well, they didn't even eat the carrots, did they? They just ate the, tops. the carrots tops, yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll try it, guys. Thanks for the um, the suggestions. I will give them all a go, and I'll let you know how we get on. <laughs> We didn't say goodbye. Okay. Well, it's too late now.